Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. This week on the show, we have my new friend, Johnny Pemberton. Yes, Johnny Pemberton. He does have a phenomenal last name and which I am very jealous of. I'm also jealous of his hilarious natural voice. Uh, All I have to do is think about him saying something and it makes me chuckle. Uh, You might know him from the show Superstore. He's an actor on that show. He go, He's the character Bo. He's a, also a voice actor. He is in the Disney XD show Pickle and Peanut. Uh, he is really good at voice acting. He, he freaking knocks that character out of the park and really makes that peanut come alive. Uh, I met Johnny from, he contacted me. His wife is an illustrator. She goes by Sleepy Brittany on Instagram. You can go check her work out. Um, But he connected to me through Instagram and asked me to be on his podcast live to tape with Johnny Pemberton. I went on that show. You should definitely go check it out. You can start with my episode. Should be warned. It gets a little feisty, a lot of ruckus, a lot of, a lot of mania, weird things happen. Um, probably not an all ages podcast, but it's a great show. I suggest going to listen to the one where he interviews his mom. Uh, there's a good one with Tim Meadows, you know, the ladies man. And uh, several good episodes with Duncan Trussell from Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast and, and more. Um, 
But I had a great chat with Johnny while I was in LA. He came over to my Airbnb and we just had a long chat about creativity, comedy, acting, and uh, navigating those territories. And he kind of just told me a story and we pontificate about general creative career quandaries. Um, you're going to have a great time listening to this. I refer back to this episode in lots of episodes of the show because there was just so many good, interesting takeaways and it's from a different angle than we've really had on the show. So, uh, you know, you're going to have a good time. Here he is, my friend, Johnny Pemberton. I wanted to give you two heads up real quick. One, there might be some spicy language in here that you might not want your kids to hear. And then also, um, I, that's a weird thing that I felt self-conscious about later. I said something about how I have a hard time believing that I have value beyond what I can produce. And I, it makes it sound like I'm saying that about other people. Like I question whether people have value unless they're producing important things or what have you. But I'm really just talking about myself, whether I can feel that I have value if I'm not achieving things um, and that it's a problem that I have. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Anyway, here's the conversation with my buddy, Johnny Pemberton. Uh, so, uh, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for coming over. How far Happy away is this from where you are? Medium, probably medium, small. Medium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Medium, small the, distance. The, the, uh, you did the scooter. Is that like a That's pretty easy here. way? No, I That's drove not here. Oh, but when you said oh, but you, batteries, all right, I saw okay. that thing parked on the sidewalk and I was like, you I took it for a spin. Seven minutes. I'm gonna just <laughs> spend a dollar seventy-five and yeah. have some fun. Okay, you so know. you drive around LA. I've actually never ridden one in LA. Actually, I didn't Burbank once. Okay. But, but you drive your car. Yeah, I drive. Yeah. Yeah, I hate yeah I'm scared of it. I would. I don't know. I haven't done that before. This really? is the first time I've ever been. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's there's so much here. It's almost like to be intimidated is to. I mean, it's just. It feels very intimidating to me. Yeah. I feel really good today, but yesterday coming in, for some reason, I was just like, this is like Oz or something. Well, there's so many know. people here, and most people don't didn't grow up here. Yeah. So this, the chances are that anyone, any person who's having a problem is a person who is someone who is, it makes sense they're having a problem because right. they just moved here or, yeah, yeah it's just, just so much going on. It's really hard to, just, it's hard to stick out because it's most people are trying to stick out. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I want to go, I'm going to basically, my plan is to ask you your story because, uh, so I'm going to get to that. But. Right. Uh, because you're basically living what I wanted to do when I was in high school. Oh, really? So it's very interesting to me to That's to, crazy. To, to, to chat with you. But do you feel like, uh, I'm just going to mess around on other questions first. Do you, do people feel, is there a desperation here? I think so. I didn't realize it until I started taking acting class. Yeah. Because I didn't take acting class for the first couple of years I lived here. Because mm-hmm. I was pretty much firmly, all I wanted to do was comedy, like improv and stand up. Yeah, and there was a thing when I started. A lot of people were. I remember a friend of mine. One time, someone asked him. He's a really good-looking guy. Someone yeah. asked him in a coffee shop. Excuse me, you an actor? And he's like, No, I'm a comedian. Like, right? Those can't yeah. be the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I will. That like was like a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, even about I'm it. I'm not yeah. a fucking actor. Yeah. Was, you can swear as much as okay. you want. I yeah. swear a lot. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> it's fine. Okay. It's totally fine. I just feel like. 
It's better not to sometimes. Um, I don't. I don't swear very much on the monologue episodes. Yeah. So that dads and moms can listen to them around their kids. But you're right. I always because my <laughs> podcast, I just throw caution to the wind because yeah. I don't. I, yeah. At this point, if you're listening to it, your your kids are fine with curses. <laughs> right, that's like yeah. the least that's of the problem. Right. So, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah, there's no problem. That was it. I basically didn't want to. I didn't even think about being an actor. And then when I started taking acting class, because I was like, oh, I need to do something that helps you do that because mm-hmm. you have to. You want to make money and have a job and uh, that kind of thing. And so I was it when you were first doing acting though. Where was it? Did it feel unnatural or did you feel like you didn't know? Is that um, when you took that acting class? Had you done some acting? I'd done a bunch, of, a good amount of acting. Right. I'd taken acting classes before, but this was a class that was actually like a real acting class. Okay. Not so much an acting class in terms of being good at acting, but being good at working as an actor, okay. which I think are right. very yeah, different things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I took that class, and then I saw there's a side of LA I just didn't know existed, which uh-huh. is people who are, I would say, desperate, but less less so desperate as truly delusional Mm. like very delusional in terms of what they have to offer and what and the chances of them being able to do something that they like there's people a lot of people who can't they really can't speak english very well yeah and if you can't speak english very well it's gonna be very hard for you to play a part of a person who is supposed to speak english well yeah because if you can't understand what's said you want to act in english language that that's like the most basic example sure there's all there's a lot of other stuff yeah People who just sort of um, there's all kinds of stuff. I I just never ran into that because the comedy world, at least like the alternative comedy world uh-huh. I came up in, is just so it's a bunch of punks who don't really give a crap about anything. Yeah, and they're very uh, just dismissive of anything that's that tries to be that way. It's the opposite. It's just very it's funny. It's funny. We just hang out and drink and party and yeah. and just do funny stuff all the time. Yeah, it wasn't anything in terms of like. Career success was, you could see it, and a lot of people who were really successful who'd come to shows, but yeah. it was something that just, it seemed sort of like if you were just, if you just were funny, you would eventually, if you were funny enough for long enough, you'll have success, which yeah. I still think is pretty much true. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, uh, when I'm thinking about, when I'm comparing illustration to the entertainment world, I'm always thinking, I would want to be a comedian or a writer actor, yeah, and never just an actor because I feel like a actor, oh, a actor, an actor. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like when you even now you'll listen to people on Mark Maron or whatever, yeah. these actors that have been in it, been in Mad Men, been in you know all these oh, things, yeah. and you can hear. I don't want to say desperation because it seems like mean or something, but Bitterness? just some kind of or fear, just like. Well, I hope I get the next gig. Yeah. Well, I hope, and, and because acting's so intuitive, it's like they don't even know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they're doing something they don't know what it is. So, there's just it feels like there's a lot of fear and not controlling your own destiny. There's a, there's a ton of fear. Yeah, and I have felt that a lot. Yeah, I had like a big thing. A big was it last year? I feel like last year in the fall, I had like a real sort of not come to Jesus moment, but it was just was. I was really feeling that because yeah. uh, some show, a big show I was on, like this huge property at Fox. It got a ton. It was called Son of Zorn. It got a ton and ton of promotion. It was like yeah. a really big deal, and everyone loved it. And all these had all these great things going for it. There was a lot of problems behind the scenes with uh, with some of the people who were the higher ups in the show, 
and the producers. And so that's kind of, I think, what why the show ended, why we didn't get a second season. Yeah. And it was hard because there's a lot of people in the Hollywood industry who will talk all the time about, oh, yeah, this is happening, this is happening, oh, this is going to be this way. Yeah. There's a lot of that, a lot yeah. of talk. Hype and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot yeah. of speculation, and yeah. it's based upon nothing. <laughs> yes. Everyone, everyone thinks they know, and every time I've met someone who thought they knew what was going to happen, they were wrong. And so this was a case of that, and I sort of, I think I bought into it either subconsciously and consciously, but I was kind of... Uh, of like you thought, this is going somewhere, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I kind of thought it was, so I hung some stuff on it, and then when it didn't, it went away... Just a couple of things happened at the same time, and I felt really um, out of pl- out of place. I just felt placeless because yeah. if you're working in Hollywood, that's so much such a huge part of your identity. Yes. And if you're not, it becomes really hard to kind of figure out who you are and where you're going and what you want to do because you just it's like you're in the dark. Kind yeah. Of. And so, yeah, it was hard. So, uh, and I felt that plenty of times, even. No, like early on when I didn't really have a career and it was job to job mm-hmm. and it was, you know, really scary and, you know, you'd have a slow season and panic or whatever. Where now I have, I'm in a really good place at the moment and I am really enjoying what I'm doing. But even just, you know, this one arm of the business that I'm doing, if it's slow for any reason, it could just, like, like, for instance, every summer, it's slow. Yeah, that's like it's just, the same That's just too. the way it goes. <laughs> and so every summer, I'm still like, well, that's it. There's no, like, <laughs> I can't help it. It doesn't matter yeah. if everything's going well, if everything's trending up. And there's just, a, and I do think there's a part of it that's like identity of like, you wrap your identity around. You are what you do. You are what you do. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time with this. Not just, I have a hard time understanding my relationship to that because uh-huh. there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't know, self-care, whatever it is about, <laughs> about like you have value beyond what you do. And I'm not trying to take the piss out of that. I'm just saying I have mixed feelings about that. I'm not, and I'm just being honest. Oh, That's yeah. probably true. I think, I think there's a lot of, there's a big disconnect between intellectualizing something and honestly Feeling it. Yeah, that. That's what I, I mean. I can intellectualize almost all of that um, stuff. Any kind of self-care stuff I can be. Yes, that does make sense. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But actually not doing it is a different thing. It takes yeah. a lot more practice than sometimes I am willing to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's like a philosophy side of it where I want to say I get skeptical and I'm like, why? What does that mean? Like, yeah. What, like, you you do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you have value beyond what you do. And I think, do you? <laughs> I know this is terrible. This is not, I almost don't want this. But no, I, record, I agree. I think there's, a, just, there's a duality to it. There's a, yeah, right. There is a yes. thing where okay. you are dust, you're a piece of crap, you're yeah. nothing. You're just a turd floating in the universe that has intrinsically no value whatsoever. Right. But there's also the other side of it where you are completely unique and everything you do is a light on into darkness so it's like that, it's that duality of things. I always feel like it's, uh, I always end up just thinking about things in terms of like a, from a Buddhist perspective, yeah. I suppose, yep. where, okay, I mean, I've said this from a very, what do you call it? It's like when someone doesn't know much about it, like an armchair right. Buddhist yeah. philosophy. Armchair expert, yeah, yeah. 
But I always think about uh, something. A good friend of Duncan, a good friend of mine is this guy named Duncan Trussell. I know of Duncan. Yeah, Duncan's, yeah. And yeah he, he's awesome. We're talking. This is years ago, but I think about it all the time. We were in some city, Northern California, for a comedy festival. And I was talking about how oh how nice it is here, all these like buildings and stuff like that. And I can't remember what he said, but basically he was telling me there's some Buddhist quote about blah 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 blah. But I can assure you, the world is on fire. Right. And I always think yeah. about that. Right. Especially now, because so yeah. many people, it's very popular to talk about like, oh, the way things are now, man. Sure. Oh, things being yeah. so bad right now. Outrage. It's like culture. Dude, you're full. Of, you're full of it because yeah. it's not. Everything is not so bad right now. Right. Everything is actually great comparatively Compar- to almost any other time in history. In human history. Human, There's more people living, yeah. less people having, less people dying from abscesses, all kinds of yeah. stuff. But the problem is, it's like a, this perspective that becomes like almost honestly a. Uh, a fashionable attitude to have like this sort of uh, that I never can never say the word right, but it's the echelon uh, when someone thinks that the world's going to end. Uh-huh. That that's a fashionable thing. True. It's also inherently selfish because the idea that, oh, dude, we're the last generation. <laughs> yeah, it's like ego. What a selfish Mania. thing to think. Oh, <laughs> wow, we're the last ones yeah. to be here, man. We're so cool. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe the world. We're gonna, it. This is. It's going to end it. on our. Oh, yeah, that's the Earth's going to be destroyed by climate change, probably <laughs> yeah. in four years. Yeah, it's like no, it's not right. actually. There's going to be a lot of bad stuff, but it's yeah. definitely not the end days. People have been thinking the world's going to end. Every the, generation, for as long Every as people are alive, yeah. and so I think about that, that that Buddhist quote about how you can say whatever, everything can be great, but I can assure you that the world is on fire. It's, yeah, it's everything is burning, and so that's being said by someone who is probably smiling, like a True. Buddhist monk. Right. Who's, hey, everything's terrible, but I'm happy because yes. I'm alive and I don't really care. So I always, th- I always think about that in terms of just. Yeah, it's almost like a nihilistic viewpoint, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of uh, hope in nihilism, in some to some extent, yeah. and fatalism. I yeah. think there is, and I the, one of the difficulties. I want to swing back to the value thing in a second, but one of the difficulties of doing this podcast for me uh, is I'm constantly putting out my opinions and point of view on right. stuff, and a, most of my point of views are dual. So like I, yeah, everything that I, are you I, a Gemini? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I am, no. so I have an excuse. Yeah, right, that's the excuse. <laughs> but, no, but but that whole like like I am I I almost feel like just two people living in the same body often, and actually I get tons of peace from it. I get tons of peace yeah. from being all in on science and also a mystical weirdo, and just I and I don't see them. I don't. I see it less as dual and uh, more as uh, there's a word for it. I don't know, but like whatever it means. Theory or something. Yeah, both yeah. and like yeah. it. They they are they can both be true. And right. most of the mystic stuff, I kind of think of as a, as metaphor. But whatever. Anyway. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I just want to say one other thing. Yeah. Uh, as we're thinking about this inherent value, I do think marriage does make me feel that way because one I th- one of the things I think is really interesting is. Sophie has never listened to, my wife has never listened to an episode of the podcast. Really? Is that yeah. on purpose? No, she just doesn't want to. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I think, and I, I'm not saying there's not a good or bad here, whether she should or shouldn't, mm-hmm. but I do feel like my relationship to her and my value to her is literally just being. Just like, mm-hmm. she, just, she just likes my 
essence and she oh, wants right. me to be around and I feel the same about her like if she if she was sick or you know whatever and she couldn't do anything yeah I would still be you wouldn't like her more love, no <laughs> I wouldn't yeah I, I, but I would but I wouldn't like her any less if she if yeah. she just if I mean it wouldn't be fun I don't want to you know I wouldn't want to just take right. care of her all the time whatever but but it I, what I like about her is just that she exists that makes sense yeah it's almost yeah. it sounds like it's a dumb comparison but I mean, that's how dogs love people, too. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing where... Totally true, yes. Give a shit. Oh, you murdered someone? Well, <laughs> yeah. where's that food? Is the food coming? Yes, and I do feel like that. <laughs> Get that scoop out. Yeah. So how? So let's go to your... Uh, when, when did you... Because last time we talked, you talked to me a little bit about like high school and whatever. Right. What year did you come to L.A.? I think 2005. Okay, 2005. I think it was... How was it confused? Because I moved, I think, at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I don't know if it was 2005 or 2006, but I think it was right. January of one of those years. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so what did you do? I just want to hear, how did you get, because to me, I, I don't know what your perception of your life yeah. is, right? But to me... I don't know either, because I'm inside of it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right, maybe. Yeah, that's true. But to me, you know, I'm looking at all the things that you've done, and I think to anybody outside the entertainment world, uh, it, it just looks... Like an incredible feat. It's a to lot. Do any it's a lot of good. A lot of checks and boxes. Yeah, I checked a good amount for of boxes. Sure. Yes. So to yeah. me, I'm just like, how did you do that? What did you? How? Did, what were the steps? And maybe yeah. they're not. They're not something someone could follow. I'm just literally interested yeah. in how it played out. I mean, I moved here, and that year because I got a job, some friends of mine who I went to college with, they moved out here. Uh, six months, they, they graduated six months, a semester ahead of me. I took a semester off of college because I had to have abdominal surgery. I had my large intestine removed. Cause I what? Col- yeah, I had colitis. I got colitis when I was about 10 years old and I had it for, you know, about 15 years, I guess. No, Whoa. I had it for about maybe 12 years. Yeah. And it's a thing when you have colitis, which is a disease of the large intestine, uh, colon. Yeah. The longer you have it and if it's not responding to drugs... Your chances of getting colon cancer just like triple every year. What? And colon cancer is like a super treatable cancer, but also if you don't catch it early and it spreads, it's just like, oh, you just died because of something that was could have been prevented, which right. would be terrible. Obviously. Yeah, that sucks. So there was I was advised to have surgery because um, the younger you are when you have surgery, the faster you recover from it, just because you know your body's younger. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I decided to do that. I think my I skipped my. First semester, semester of uh, my sophomore year at school, school in Florida State. I skipped it. It's like Carol Channing right now for some reason. I just, that's the hack. How does it like Carol Channing? Just do sh instead of s. Yeah. So I did that, and so that set me back from graduating by one semester. Right. And so all my friends who I was really close with, they graduated um, a year, a semester earlier. A couple of them moved to L.A., just because I don't remember why, but they mm. did. Because yeah. we all studied media production, which is basically like TV, okay. sort of in school, which also means nothing. Because I, I mean, I think I learned. <laughs> yeah. I could. Pers- I learned what I didn't know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Learned how to how to goof off and fool around and stuff. Right. So they did that, and I. Um, so I had I had a health issue, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad was insistent that I have health insurance because he was like. You know, I was I was so ready to move to Chicago to study at Second City because that's where I wanted to go. Move to Chicago, study at Second City, play right. in this band I played with. I played in a band called Isabella Parole with a couple of girls I lived next to in college. Yeah. And um, I wanted to keep playing the band and just study comedy, like study uh, improv at Second City because that's where all my 
Mm. My heroes. They, they studied there. Yeah. And so I was going to move to I Chicago. I wanted to do that. Too. What's that? Oh, yeah. I, I thought about awesome. it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think it's kind of been had now. I think. That, sure, it's a different yeah, era. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. But I wanted to do that, but I couldn't get a job in Chicago. My dad was like, you have to have health insurance. You don't have, if you don't have health insurance and you have this bad disease, let's say you have to have emergency surgery, um, you could like basically bankrupt. It would be such an expensive amount of money. Uh, yeah. It'd be very expensive to the point where I think my parents would be forced to pay for it because they can. Right. This is before they had that thing, the insurance clause, where up until tw- they changed it right after I turned 26, where up until 26, you're on your parents' under, under yeah. your parents insurance. Yeah, yeah. So I was on my own. Yeah. So that's like, you got to have a job. Even though I pro- if I was a badass, I would have just been like, screw you, Dad. I'm just going to do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. If I have yeah. a problem, we'll just deal with it. Yeah. So I ended up like, making this big chart. Like, should I move to New York? I had a lot of friends in New York. Should I move to Chicago? You made a chart? I made a chart, like pros and cons. That's awesome. I was in the basement in Minnesota after I I moved home (laughs) to Minnesota after I graduated from college. Made the chart, and I ended up actually making the chart, being like, okay, I think it's going to be Los Angeles. Uh And then I got a call um, from my friend Mark, who lived in L.A. He was saying how, because he worked at Fox, the, the movie TV studio, right? doing something that is not even a job anymore because they don't have any, they don't have enough money to hire people to do nothing. Right. So I, they were, he was getting moved up, but he was getting promoted, and they needed someone new to do this, like the most menial job at fox.com, uh-huh. the website. And so I was like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. And I interviewed on the phone with some guy named Miles, wonderful man, and I got this job. Um, some, it was being a viral marketer. <laughs> which, this is like, this is 2005, right? So this is before the internet was really... What it is now? What True. The, what yeah. it meant? It's a totally different thing. Yeah. Oh man, it was like no one went to that website. Nobody, <laughs> because That's people didn't so go to. Like, oh, I, I want to. Let's go to the fox.com/bones and check out the content on there. Yeah. Check out this beautiful, slick website that some college uh, graduate designed. That I mean, it probably had like triple-digit views a, a month, <laughs> maybe less. What? So I worked there doing like I would seed message boards with the Times. Yeah. Like, hey guys, it's me. Like they have these accounts <laughs> on different message boards. Yeah. They were not real accounts. They were run by Fox. So I got this booklet of passwords <laughs> and names. What in the world? It was the dumb. It's the kind of thing where, looking back, I can't believe I got paid to do this. Yeah. So that I had a full time job. Crazy. I wasn't didn't have insurance, but I had made enough money where I could buy health insurance. Right. Okay. Privately, which is the most expensive thing in the goddamn it's world. It's so ridiculous. Holy crap. It's so ridiculous. One of my big uh, goals long term would be to help uh, freelancers or people that are self employed, creative people, some kind of services around taxes and yeah. healthcare because it is, it, to me, it almost feels like a conspiracy made by corporations to keep, oh, yeah. you, keep talent in, to be like, let's make this so difficult. I hate it. So anyway, it does. Yeah, I mean, I even ramp. even that place, I was a subcontractor the whole time I worked there. Right. Yeah. And so that's I mean, that, so that that's what got me out here essentially. Right. Was that job. Sure. Yeah. Moved out, lived in a one bedroom apartment with two other guys for about six months. Yeah. Which was uh, both awesome and terrible. Right. Yeah. And then I moved <laughs> yeah. into a two bedroom with one other dude, uh, on Hollywood, right off Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. and that I um, and I yeah I had a job for I guess like almost two years, maybe a year and a half. And that's when the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater opened up on Franklin, probably like months after I moved there. Right. I can't remember. It was really close after. And I was obsessed with that TV show when it was on Comedy Central. Yeah. 
and I really wanted to go to the theater. Were they uh, always in L.A.? Or no, they, they started in New York. In, started in Chicago oh, okay. at the Annoyance Theater, and then right. they opened their own theater in New York. Okay. And they opened a second theater in New York, and they opened one in L.A. Yeah, and, right, um, okay. Yeah, so I, I just really wanted to learn, because I know those guys studied with Del Close. Uh-huh. Uh, so I wanted to learn their brand of improv, so I just took the first class they ever offered there. I know, yeah. Can I just interrupt you real quick? I know Del Close just from people talking about her, but... Do people say you look like him? Uh, he's a guy? I don't know. I just know Yeah, you look kind of like Del Close, really? for real. <laughs> I read. I definitely read an interview with him, didn't know it was a guy, but I've heard comedians talk about him. Can you tell me more about who that is? I, yeah. I know that they always talk about like the Del Close method of improv right. or whatever, but yeah. Tell well, me about he that. Was, I don't know a whole lot about him. All I know is that he was in the Merry Pranksters, which is that Ken Kesey group yeah. that used to travel around in like San Francisco um, and take acid and do like street theater. And right. He was like a like a hippie, but not like a normal hippie, like an acid hippie, like a, a kind of, um, he was an aggressive spiritual artist, I guess. Huh. I don't really know a whole lot about his life, but I know that he started um, developing Improv, I think it's called, I think they call the the form he developed the Herald, uh-huh. just a, t- a way to to do um, like a like an hour-long improv show. Yeah. It involves like certain types of scenes, arrangements of scenes and building them. And he, I think, is sort of credited with the idea of uh, like the idea of not thinking about what you're doing, sort of like just doing it in a reactionary way. Uh, I think maybe he's also yes and. I think maybe he's also... The idea of um, working from the top of your intelligence. Hmm. There's a bunch of stuff. I think some What's of that? Well, that's I this idea that. where when you're doing something, not to you don't want to ever handicap yourself. So you always come do the um, the smartest thing you know to do in the moment. Okay. You don't pretend not to know something. Right. I mean, obviously, you know you are pretending not to be to say, "Oh, we're not actually doing a scene right now. We're." Two actors talking the stage. You don't do that. That's right. that's not. I guess that wouldn't be considered intelligence. But it's the idea where, if you know all the fifty capitals, you it's okay. You should always. I feel like I'm, I've never taught improv, so I don't sure, really, yeah. I'm not really I'm, good at like describing that stuff. But okay. I think I'm just super curious. It do, doesn't matter. I've never heard it. So your version yeah. is the best version I've ever heard. You're supposed to just play to the top of your intelligence, like you are. When you're doing improv, you want to be not handicapping yourself in any way. You want to be working with everything you've got and sometimes some people yeah. just have a lot of knowledge specific knowledge about certain things and then all that can do is help because it just adds all this color and texture and specifics mm-hmm. to things yeah and it can really give your scene partner something to latch onto, like a detail like if i were to say a word wrong or just say something very specific that's something that someone else would notice and that can become the the sort of the the first snowflake of the snowball, uh-huh. which yeah. so much of that stuff, so much of improv. I mean, I feel like group improv is kind of going through a tough place right now. Uh-huh. I'm not really into it, but a lot of people talk a lot of shit on it, uh-huh. and for good reason. There's right. most of it's bad, yeah, and most people who do it are bad and annoying and like like oh my god, just stop, <laughs> right. please. Like we're having we're having breakfast. Just uh, not do this. Whatever this improv do a game scene is right now, yeah. yeah. It's some of that, but I still, and it's core. I think it's a great thing, and it's also it's not limited to to improv doing improv with other people. Because uh-huh. I yeah. started doing stand up, and I feel like I use that stuff in my stand up all the time. And to the extent where I think there's a lot of lines being blurred between what is stand up comedy uh-huh. and what is improv and what is sketch, because it kind of doesn't really matter to some yeah. extent. 
Do you, uh, one thing that you said about uh, not thinking. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, some of these comedians that get into massive trouble, but whatever, massive trouble right. by the culture. I wonder sometimes, because I know when I'm going to, even if I'm just doing a talk, because I do a lot of talks, and I know my best talks are when I'm not thinking. Yeah. I'm just, and then I think. Flow state. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but don't you, it's no wonder that these people get in trouble when you're not thinking and you're just letting it yeah. happen. Does that, does that make sense? Like It does. I also think a big part of it is a lot of people don't realize, um, what, what do you call people who don't, uh, not lay people, what do you call someone like, not like commoners, a, just people who, like a I would civilian? Call, yeah, civilian. Of this kind. Yeah. Normies. Right, yeah. They don't understand the, the pressure that you yeah. have on, when you're on stage. They also understand how easy it is to get very defensive. Because mm-hmm. if you are up on stage and something's go, going wrong, or someone's, if I'm ever getting gonna, gonna been heckled by someone, and I def- not so much defend myself, but like have to deal with them. Yeah. Have to like babysit this adult drunk. Yes. Who's being a piece of crap. Yeah. And doesn't realize it. You have to babysit them, even if you're doing it in the most gentle way. Your blood starts to run hot. Because yeah, because now you, so now you're in the part of your brain that's fight or flight, uh-huh. and you're gonna be doing. You're not thinking I'm clearly. Fight. Yeah. And sometimes I've fought people, not physically, but. It's been this thing where I come off stage and I'm shaking because I'm yeah. just so I'm so angry at this person for do because it's not just it's not they're not wasting my time they're wasting everybody time. in that room's time and everyone yeah. hates them if you're yeah. a heckler everyone hates them <laughs> yes. there's almost never been a heckler that's happened maybe I don't know once ever where people are like oh this heckler's good yeah <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah but I think about how do, do you ever worry about when you're doing this is a weird thought maybe but. When you're not thinking and you're performing, do you oh, ever yeah. worry that what's in your head? Uh, I guess all the time, yeah, and also <laughs> yeah. not. Okay. I I just think it's I worry that I'm gonna get so defensive that I'm gonna because sometimes I think people get in trouble. It's because they're so defensive that all they want to do is hurt the person uh-huh. who was hurting them. Yeah. And they're not speaking from a place of intelligence. Or how they actually feel, or what they feel. That's they're, the thing. They're like yeah, a cornered rat. And yes. they're just gonna bite whatever comes near them because they think they're about to die. Yeah, there's a reason people say that fear of public speaking is the number one fear in the world. Yeah. So if that's the case, when it goes go to stand that um, uh, that people who are doing that are gonna have a very intense fear if things are if sorry, it's going if, bad, yeah, the tables are being yeah. turned. You become you become. It's like my worst primitive. nightmare. Because I've gone through, earlier in my career especially, I had a few talks go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I do talks all the time, and I'm still petrified. Before I do it, I, mean, I love doing it. Yeah. But I still get petrified because I'm like, I know what it feels like when it's not working. Right. And it is brutal. It, it is can be. Yeah. It can be brutal. It can be very brutal also, but it also can be a thing where it's, sometimes that's the best. Right. Is when you have things are going, going wrong and you address it and deal with it. It's like you just saved the plane crash. Yeah. And you're even better. Like, we love a person who saves a plane. We love the pilot who saves the plane crash more than the pilot who just got us. You got us there. Yeah. <laughs> totally true. Yeah. Do you, uh, another question, I want to go back to the story, but do you, one of the things that I think a lot about is I panic so much about going up there. But then once I'm up there, I feel like my, it's the best version of my brain. Yeah. Like, 
It's the clearest, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm so much quicker when I'm on stage than I'm not. Do you find that? Oh, 100%. To the, to the point where sometimes I just I get frustrated that I can't think that way otherwise. What is that? I think it's the simplest, the simplest explanation <laughs> is it's just your primitive brain. That's what I think. All of a sudden kicking in. It's the same reason. It's like, get it together. You, oh, you, use everything. You're getting endorphins. You're getting like... Uh, what's it called? Um, the adrenaline. You get adrenaline. Yes. You get yeah. all that stuff because before that, you're just essentially you're in peacetime. So let's go back. So you were go back to where you where do you remember where you left here? Um, well, I was working at Fox.com, and you doing almost US. nothing. You started to do. I started like, taking uh, improv. I think UCB? I started doing stand up too. Yeah. Okay. What was that like? Uh, well, the first time I ever did stand up. Was really bad. Uh huh. It was really bad. <laughs> really? Tell me about it. Okay, what? so tell me that story. Yeah, dude, it's so bad. It's such a good story. <laughs> it's actually like a really great story. The um, there was this web talk show that Fox.com decided to do to promote shows internally. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called or anything. It was, it was a dumb thing. It was some dumb thing that no one ever going to watch. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, and uh, we decided to ha- it was like an actual talk show they're going to film with three cameras there's a guy in the department who was just a, a writer in the department named Michael yep he was going to host it and he uh, we set it all up and wrote it and had all this I was one of the people who helped write it and we, set- we filmed the thing in some studio in the Deep Valley and uh, I was like I'll do warm up for the crowd because it's <laughs> And I think I have you done that before? I've never never done, done that. I never did stand up before, but <laughs> oh I wanted to do stand up. I've been writing a lot of jokes. I've yeah. been thinking about it because I've been thinking about doing stand up for years. Actually, I had kind of done some stand up in someone's living room a couple of times my last year in college. Right. So that was like a year ago, maybe. Okay. A year prior to that. Yeah. And I so I had done and that was great. That was killing, but it was also literally behind someone's couch with a with a lamp like pointing up and that was really fun. And <laughs> yeah, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. It was super indie. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll have such a great experience with this. Yeah. Also, it's a paid audience. So that means they're definitely going to laugh. Oh my god. Which I didn't know is the opposite. The opposite of true. <laughs> it's yeah. It's the opposite of that. That's the cr- that's the most uh, that's probably the number one reason I didn't go into comedy was the idea that there's nothing harder than saying, okay, and this guy's going to come up and be funny. Yeah. Any other situation, it's pretty easy to be funny. Yeah. Like, if you're, whatever you are, if you're just a little bit funny of any other profession, oh, you're, you're hilarious. You're, he's crushing it. <laughs> yes. Wow, so, that, this, yeah, this, exactly. this dentist is funny. Yeah. So, anyway, all right, so what I happened? I said I would do, do that, and I wrote my jokes down, I wrote out a bunch, I rehearsed them, maybe... What I thought to be a lot, but yeah. it was obviously not any amount at all. <laughs> Basically, right. and I go up there. I'm going to do like six or seven minutes to open the show. Some like big sound, some little sound stage, probably in Van Nuys or something. Probably where they shot porn for real. Right. Probably yeah. was actually a place they shot a lot of porn. And I go up there, and I'm doing my stuff. And I never really done stand up before, so except for that time in the guy's house in Tallahassee, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> After like six beers, <laughs> yeah. up there sober. How are you feeling when before you go up? Um, I'm feeling. I don't even know. You don't remember? I think I was really nervous, but I wasn't. I didn't know enough to be nervous to as I should have been. Super. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go up there and I just bomb like an amazing amount. It's like an yeah. amazing bomb. It's crickets for some stuff. It's pure crickets. 
And yeah. some stuff is one guy who happened to be from Minnesota who was like, yeah! I didn't know how to react to someone kind of... I just didn't know how to do any of it. I right. had no idea yeah. how to do any of it. Right. And the best thing was that one of the guests on the show was Dana Gould. You know him? He's a comedian. He wrote for The Simpsons for like forever. Okay. Super funny comedian. Like yeah. He's so funny and so dark too. Great guy. He was a guest on the show. And I think, I, I think he may have seen me perform or not. The biggest, the biggest thing I remember about that show was well one thing the host Michael sold me out to get laughs and he it was good he should have done that right because it was he had to cut the tension obviously because what the hell is this crap that just that just yeah. sprayed all over us here so he called he did that and got a bunch of laughs from what did he say just I don't know I don't even remember but just make okay. fun alright so uh, that was something you're not going to see every day hopefully yeah. not right just, right. just, just yeah, sold yeah. me just out right? come out of the yeah, bus sure, but yeah. the bus Got a nice jolt for throwing me under. So mm-hmm. there's another thing that happens when you bomb that miserably is no one will make eye contact with yeah. you. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's a cool bad. thing. It's just <laughs> yeah. a thing where wow, you're because you become this this icky like diseased like, person. Like don't touch. Like stay back. I yeah, I don't want people, that. Yeah, especially that's a primal thing too. Super primal. Yes, it's totally primal. It's why like. Chimps kill a sick chimp. Yeah, it's not because they don't like it. It's because you're fucking. You're bringing us down. Yeah, we and there's a, and I think that there's even a thing of like the person that's ostracized socially mm-hmm. is like trouble, and we and that's why I feel like oh, it's yeah. so painful is that your brain uh, takes in like rejection from a the tribe. It feels like death because yeah. it was death. Yeah, so you for feel, real. Yeah, it's intense. I felt it's a that. terrible feeling. The talk show went great. Um, obviously now it's something that probably couldn't even be discovered on the internet if you if you tried. Right, sure. Uh, and afterwards, me and the main guy, Michael, and our friend Haley, we all went out to dinner, I think someplace around here actually. And um, the weird thing is I didn't feel that bad. Huh. It was one of those things where somehow I was able to laugh at how bad it was. Yeah. And also realize, okay, that was really bad, but I, I wanted to keep doing this because I think I, I just have to find a way to, to get better at this because obviously I'm not an, I, I feel like I was not an unfunny person I know that right I just know how to have to figure out how to do this and the cool thing about that is Haley was dating a comedian at the time named Peter Sprite mm. um, and Peter she uh, put me in contact with him and he is like a saint like the mm. older I get the more this I realize this is the guy that helped you yeah yeah. that's like I talked about on my podcast yeah right? yeah we talked and a little so he bit like about helped, it he helped me like rewrap my jokes trim them down he actually put me up on his show it was every month at the comedy store in the belly room and I did a show there for the first time after that and I was nervous as hell yeah that time I, was, yeah. I think I even smuggled in a bunch of beers because I was so I was so cheap I just had, I had no <laughs> I smoked in a bunch I brought a backpack full of Heinekens wrapped yeah. in socks I think right. I was drinking them <laughs> I think I drank three or four Heinekens. I was pissing like every four minutes. Yeah. And I went up there and did maybe six minutes and I just crushed. Yeah. And I think I have a tape of it. You can see my face. My face is not prepared for this to go well. Yeah. I am just... You're like, oh. Oh my God. What's going on? (laughs) Oh man, that's amazing. I just crushed so hard. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah. Afterwards, I think the the host's face is literally just aghast. Mm Mm-hmm. What the hell? What's going on? And I didn't have any idea what went on either. I just yeah. was just doing. It just I happened to have worked on 
the, my comedy stuff. Yeah. And I did it to a room of people who were actually receptive to comedy. The Belly Room was one of the greatest places in the world to perform. Mm. It's where Chappelle did that second half of his special for a reason. It's just like this right. perfectly intimate. So it was so, so good. And after that, it was just where, okay, I, I have to keep doing this. Yeah. I've obviously I've bombed many 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 times since that first time I <laughs> right, yeah. killed, but it doesn't. It, it was enough to give me like a taste of, like wow, this is so sweet. I can't believe how it's like sweet that, this is. Yeah, it's like that first. I'm not saying it was beginner's luck, but that kind of feeling of you get oh, totally a little was. taste of like yeah. what it could be, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna. And I, I wonder also like, uh, because I know. Sometimes, sometimes people will say something like, "Well, I'm not natural at this or that, like you are." Yeah. And I think, I'm not natural at that. Or, or yeah. there is an inkling of a, a natural thing going on, but it's the time and energy and obsession that I've, you know, done to to do that, pushing past those experiences like that. And right. I, yeah. Or someone's a natural. They'll say like, "Oh, you're a natural baseball." It's like, I guess I am. Oh, also, my dad was a baseball player, and I grew up playing baseball since I could walk. Yeah, So yeah. Yeah, you're a natural, but it's because you've always been thinking that. I think a lot of people who are, quote-unquote, naturals at comedy, people who either started really young or their just life was so messed up that they're always trying to find humor in situations. Otherwise, they would just fall down this black hole of negativity. Yeah. So they just yeah. are always joking. Like, I was always joking about everything. I would just make fun of everything all the time, get kicked out of class, or just fi- ride the line of, if I make my teacher laugh, she won't kick me out. Yeah, right, But she'll yeah. want to kick me out, but she won't. It's like but that fine line of, can I, say this, can I say this one more time? <laughs> yeah. And she'll laugh, and she's like, stop it! Like, it's like that kind of thing. So yeah. I was always just What was messing it for around. you? That why were you joking around? Do you think? Have you thought about that? I don't know, I think that? Probably, probably because I was sick. Probably because I had bad, you know, bowel problems. And if you have a bowel problem, it's not cool to talk about because it's uh-huh. farting, it's pooping. Yeah, it's super embarrassing. So it's embarrassing. Yeah. I think that's probably what it was. But also, I don't even know. It just was. It's also a neurological thing. Like yeah, there's a your brain either makes those connections or it doesn't. There's a little bit of that. Like it's. You know, there's certain brains that aren't going to be making jokes, no matter yeah. what. Not, no, no situation, no amount of learning, you're not going to be doing it. So you had some kind of predisposition for that. Too. I just wanted it all the time. I just always wanted to do, just be stupid. Yeah. Something about being, it just, you just time disappears if you're being stupid, having fun, doing something that's pointless, yeah. but it feels so good. Yes. That I don't know. I, I mean, I still can't explain it to this day. I just love it so. It just feels so good. I always think of that Hank Williams Jr. lyric, uh-huh. where he says, "I'm into, I'm into feeling good, and I don't like some. How am I gonna butcher it? But he basically says, I don't. I like being happy, and I don't like sad. <laughs> like what a great way of saying. Like, yeah. That's sometimes perfect. I realize that. Like, wait a second. I don't like being sad. Yeah. Being serious. Sometimes I'll get in my head and start to be like, oh, I have to be serious. I have to be serious here. I have to be like, yeah. a, you know, I'm a paid actor here. I have, we have to be serious about this stuff. Yeah. And I, I feel bad. And then I realize, oh, wait, I hate this. Yes. I right. hate being serious. Yeah. It feels like gross. It feels, it makes me just feel like I'm swimming or something. I'm not, <laughs> like swimming and I don't want to be swimming. <laughs> yeah. Like swimming with my clothes on. Yeah. Like, that's oh, good. I'm going to take these yeah, clothes off. Good. I like that. But, that's a, it's weird for me because there was uh, up until like 17 I was like 
comedy all the time, uh-huh. complete goofball at school all the time, and I, there, I don't know, there's a lot, I mean, there's probably ex- explanations, but at that point, I almost went the opposite way into oh, really? serious. And I do think I like to spend most of my, it's weird, but I like to spend most of my time thinking and talking about serious things. Really? Yeah, I don't know if that comes across or anything, but that, yeah. That's cool. It's a weird thing. Anyway, um, so, okay, so how did you go, so you started doing UCB classes? Yeah, I took an improv class. Yeah, okay. What'd you say? I said, yeah, I was taking improv class. <laughs> yeah. I said in some weird Yeah, way. I was taking improv class. I was taking improv class. Yeah, uh, yeah say improv. Yes, I'm not So you were taking classes. <laughs> you are doing uh, stand-up. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you start getting roles and, and I such? Uh, I will... I think the first role I ever got was on some... A show on Stars Channel called Hollywood Residential, and back at the time, UCB was kind of hip. I mean, it's become way more hip in a way that's not hip. Like it's that, very mainstream. Yeah, now, now it's, everybody it's almost knows about it. Yes, yeah. it's like a common. Used to be all these comedy scenes were kind of only known to comedians, and nobody yeah. even knew how people ended up on Saturday Night Live or right. you know the general public didn't at least. But now, yeah, everybody knows. Back then, it was actually stuff. underground and actually yeah. very. I was just hip. It was a bunch of hipsters. Yeah. And I, there was some cast, there's a lot of casting directors who are just, casting directors are some of the coolest people ever. Because mm. they, they just like watching stuff. They love just watching people just do, do, do their thing. And this one group, of ca- I can't remember which casting group it was, but they were kind of hip to that. And this, this was a show that was uh, partially improvised. The show was. And so they brought in everybody. Uh. They bring in the whole damn, anyone who's ever performed at UCB. I don't know how, I didn't have a manager at this point, I think. They just brought in everybody. Yeah. Because it's easy. To, they do it a lot of times. They'll just have like the, tell the theater to send us the people who fit this description. So I went in and I think, um, yeah, I just went in. I was waiting in the lobby with everyone. We were just joking. I didn't know my lines. We did barely. I didn't yeah. know you had to memorize them. I just thought like, oh, you can just kind of, you know, it's improvised, so I'll just wing it. <laughs> yeah. So it also wasn't what much to know anyways. I went in there, and I think they, I think she asked me, um, how old am I? And I was like, because people always ask me that because I look so young. Yeah. And I would obviously resent it and hate it because it's anything <laughs> where, like, stop asking me this person who's younger than me. Stop asking me if yeah. I'm old enough to be older than you. Yeah. And she asked me how old I am, and I said, um, old enough to drink, but not old enough to rent a car. Right. And then she got pissed because I didn't answer her straight. She's like, "It's like, oh, um, you have to tell you have to tell me how old you are, or we can't read you." And then someone said, "Actually, you know, you can't ask them that because there's a thing. I guess you can't ask an actor how old they are. It's a literally a legal thing in SAG. You can't ask. I didn't know that. And she said that you actually don't have to. He just has to be over eighteen. She's like, "Are you over 18 I'm like, "Yeah." And then I read it, and some reason I think because I was such a little punk, I was doing such. A little bastard to yeah. them by talking back that that kind of activated them and I just booked this tiny part playing like, playing like a PA on this show it's a show about a show it was a show about a guy who was a, had a handyman show uh-huh. and uh, I played this had this tiny part where I get a, a saw blade flies off and sticks me in the leg and I'm like oh, I'm sorry like just super super stupid thing but that was the first <laughs> thing I ever got yeah 
You think talking back to them made oh, yeah. them respect you or something? Totally. That saying? Yeah, that's because interesting. Because so many people go into auditions and they're so... Uh, Desperate. They're so, like... Or, uh, yeah. Like, they're so... Uh, what's the word? Like, it's not slovenly. Subservient. I mean, it's subservient. Or, yeah. or, which I think you also do have to have an element of. Right. But there's just this element of, of such preciousness. And so they feel so intimidated by these people that they're not able to be themselves and they're not able to to bring something there that is what they want. Like basically, I mean, I remember learning years later about how Fellini, Fellini, the director, yeah. kind of, he's notoriously kind of, kind of uh, difficult with actors, mm-hmm. but he also loves actors because he loves to watch actors play. Yeah. It's a thing where he loves to watch people be in a way he can't be. So it's this thing right, where... Like a, like a fascination. Yeah, fascination. Yeah. It's like the same way you watch animals as people be like, oh, look, like, how, oh, look, look what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really aware of its yeah. thing. And I think it's the same way with most directors and casting directors and people who are making something. They want a person who is not being, not doing something with awareness. They're doing it because of, through, through, the, through the joy of it. Uh-huh. And if you do something through the joy of it, I kind of think that being a punk, being sort of like talking back is a joyful expression because it's yeah. kind of it's this thing where you're poking at something to see what happens. Right. And if you have the balls <laughs> to poke at something, yeah. Some people won't like it, but a lot of times people who do, they really like it. Uh-huh. And that's I've just always done that on auditions, not sometimes cognizantly, but sometimes it's just it's just, it's just who you how are I anyway. am. Yeah. 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 Because I just want to have fun with it. it doesn't and surprise if, me. And I, I just can't stand when stuff is boring, so I want to find a way to I make it. I hate boring. That's, yeah, we have that in common. It. I can't do boring. Uh-huh. Anything but boring. Sorry for interrupting yeah. you. Well, uh, also, I like to tag stuff, too. This is like an acting thing where you say something extra at the end, or you just basically keep the scene going. Sometimes I'll uh-huh. just do that. It's like, I'm just going to stay in the scene until they tell me to stop. <laughs> right. And that's a fun thing to do, because you end yeah. up being like, hey, I'm in this character so much that I don't even, like, we're not... This words are great, but those words were just the beginning of the thing. It's like getting the yeah. kite off the ground, like they're yeah. running to get the kite off, but now the wind's going and just you could go forever, really. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go back to that. I wanted to mention you talked about casting directors. It's one of my dreams to have uh, to interview Allison Jones. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah, she's I great. Mean, have, do you have you met her? I've auditioned. I've how did I auditioned for her a lot. Have you? Yeah. Actually, I auditioned for her for Super Bad before I even knew. Uh, this is still to this day something where I kick myself over. I'm like, oh, man, Pemberton, what if you took acting classes like two years early? Uh-huh. Who knows what you'd be doing right now? Yeah. Because I was like, do I do I look under the camera? She's like, no. No, no you don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And I was, yeah. oh, shoot. <laughs> I wish I, which probably wouldn't have mattered, but I was, I was too green to, I don't know. I just didn't have enough balls to really commit to something at that right. point. Right, yeah. Yeah, I've mentioned her a bunch. I want to talk about committing, but I also just want to say, casting director, one of the reasons I want to meet her and other casting directors yeah. is purely because uh, I love the idea of someone who has made it their uh, business to spot someone's, not potential, but more like true self. Of like, yeah. oh, like, because I think a lot about uh, Judd Apatow talking about when he he'll see somebody who other people don't see as like a main uh, as a lead, as yeah. a lead right. and be like, well, what would their movie be? And right. talking about Steve Carell and all kinds of other people. Cause I think Steve at the time, I don't think anybody saw 
him being the lead. Well, like, he was in no, I, he, I mean, he was in Bruce Almighty. He had that role that, that popped. Yes, yeah. I mean, like Jim Carrey go like, oh no. Yeah, I bet oh, he stole the friggin' show. Turn that down. Turn the volume <laughs> down a bit on the scene. I, can, I imagine <laughs> this. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I look at, I love that idea. It's probably just about wanting to be seen on an emotional level. Just to, you know, this is like a psychological thing of mine, probably. But I just want to meet them because I'm just like, you are so good. She especially is so good at spotting. Uh-huh. Who this person is, or what what they should play, right. or whatever, uh, is that? Were you have you experienced any of that, or you were kind of talking about casting directors? I just wondered if that was part of it. Have I don't you ever know. had anybody spot anything in you that you didn't already know yourself? I mean, I, I don't know if they've said it. I think people bring me in a ton, right, for everything, and I never booked anything through them, but they always bring me in, right. Like, why well, am I in for this? This isn't me. I'm not supposed to read for this. Like, yeah. well, I just want to see what you do with it. Yeah. There's also a dark side of that. Why? To where a lot of times what they will do is they'll read someone funny for something and then they will steal what they did and it becomes, it goes in the movie or the show. Because you sign an NDA. <laughs> All right. It's like yeah. if you say something super funny on top of what we've written, Yikes. we read ours now. Is that pretty common? Yeah. Oh, it's had man. to happen a lot. Yikes. But it's a compliment, I right, guess. Right, sure, yeah. Because... It's like you got to be pretty resilient, I guess, with all this oh, stuff. Oh, it's like yeah. insanely resilient. I was thinking the other day, it's the only job where you have to be the most sensitive and also the most uh, tough. That's one of the things I, I think about all the time with the sensitivity of actors, of having to be so soft, so emotional. Oh, yeah. And, and you watch, you know, someone, I, I don't know if you, being an actor, would defend this, but... You know, like the thing of Christian Bale flipping out on the... Oh, I, would I, think de- I about definitely like, defend him. I think... I listen to it and I think to be, do what he's doing and get into that place, it just makes sense to me. I was yeah. like, yeah, of course. You're going to... You're right on the edge. Oh, totally. Yeah. I haven't... I mean, people blow that out of proportion. Yeah, sure. For but, people that don't know, I'm just referring yeah. to a... There's like a video or a audio of Christian Bale flipping on a camera guy. Like I think it was a, a lighting guy. A lighting guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's like Even freaking worse. out. <laughs> right. Oh, I had a happy... Um, yeah. I, I almost had one of those moments, but I didn't say anything, and it really bothered me that I didn't say anything. Yeah, really? Yeah, it was something where I should have just gone ballistic. I should have just been like... What was what? What a camera was guy. Yeah. The director called Action, and uh-huh. this camera guy who was a camera assistant... And he was taking like a joke selfie. And I'm, I'm saying words and I'm looking at this guy and he's doing that. I was so angry. It was like so, so angry I wasn't angry. Yeah. So angry like I had to be like, oh man. But <laughs> I, oh, just the amount of, the sheer disrespect is just like something where. Outrageous. Oh my God. I could, I could swim across English Channel with the rage. <laughs> There's probably something about uh, not, if you're not doing that, not understanding what it takes to do acting or comedy. Not understand yeah. it, just in terms of an emotional level of vulnerability, going oh, yeah. up there, all that. And I imagine they're like, oh, what are they doing? They're just up there saying lines or whatever, but yeah, yeah yikes. Yeah. What, you Go ahead. Well, because it feels like a factory a lot of times. TV production can feel kind of monotonous, so I can see how people can think that. Right, yeah. yeah. You talk about uh, committing, you've talked about it a few times. Last time we talked, uh, and also, I wanted to talk about that and also confidence, because I think going into a room and talking back to somebody, uh, you know, I've listened to your podcast, and you, and I've thought a lot about, I'm very envious of, when I'm on stage, I find it fine. I can be my full self. Right. But lots of smaller groups, 
and even one-on-one, I have a hard time just being myself, being confident, whatever. And I imagine going in the, and then, or if I go into a meeting, this is something that anybody listening to this will relate to. Going to a meeting that matters to you, you're afraid yeah. about it or whatever. Um, how do you, is it natural for you? Or what, what, have you learned things about it? Both in committing and confidence, because I think they're similar in a way. I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends. I think the thing with the large groups, so yeah. a lot of comedians and actors who are very shy, and there's something about having a large group and performing in a way that you know what you're going to do that makes those people not very shy. Uh-huh. And like you're saying, a smaller group is different because there's a, there's a real interactive component as opposed to a performative one direction kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And so I guess in terms of like a meeting or something like that, I just always, I don't know, I guess I just uh, like to always approach things with energy. And also I always think about if anything bad happens, it's a good thing. I remember one time I was doing a, a big set at the Improv. This was my early on in comedy, and I was really nervous. And the the woman who was running the ticket office, I accidentally bumped into her, and she was really mean to me. And and also I was like really shy, so it was hard. It was hard for me to say, like, I'm I'm like, what are you doing here? It's like, I, I'm, perf- I'm performing on the show. I'm here. To, I think it was like, wait, what? Wait, what's your like, just being really short and mean to me? Yeah. And I kept thinking like, okay. I just have to say, I just have to decide this is a, a good sign. Because if I don't, it's going to get in my head and it's going to throw me off balance and I'm going to have a bad show. Uh-huh. So a lot of times now, if there's anything bad or consider, what I consider unlucky, I'm like, ooh, this is good. Right. This is a good thing. This means something good's going to happen. Yeah. It means I can also... What makes you convince yourself of that? How do you... I just what do you decide just it's true. Yeah. I'm just right. like, okay, this woman was a, was a total B to me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to just... Make that be like, oh, that's, um, that's, I mean, later on I learned that it's, oh, she's not being mean to me. She's angry about something else and she's taken sure, out of yeah, right. But I didn't really have that sort of awareness at the time yeah. from reading the four agreements. So right. <laughs> I just was, I just take it yeah. like, oh, this is bad. Anything bad is just something that is further going to galvanize your ability to make something really great. And I think that show was something where, I don't know. It may have been like a Fox showcase I did uh-huh. that kind of like gave me a bunch. I think it was one of those things where industry sh- industry showcases are notoriously <laughs> terrible. Yeah. People just don't laugh uh-huh. because it's like they've seen everything and they're jaded and they don't really, they have to be there. And I think I did, I used to open with a character a lot and I do it for like two or three minutes. Super aggressive character. <laughs> Like a New York, a guy from New York who's an idiot talking yeah. about talking about spiders. Right. I would do that, and I did that. They didn't vet my set; they didn't see what it was. And I went up there, and I just like, I didn't so much crush it as I did. Sometimes I'll just go up there and be like, I don't care, give a shit about anything. I'm just gonna destroy you. Yeah. With what I have, like my friend Michelle Balloon, she probably gave me the best advice with comedy I've ever heard. I was, I was bitching about something or other yeah. he's like sometimes you just have to shove your comedy down people's throats yeah and I was thinking about that I'm, I'm like okay sometimes you just have to be like you have to just destroy people to the point where they're listening and they submit to what you have as being good uh-huh. and not everybody some people can do that with physical presence like a big dude goes up there and he's really quiet uh-huh. sometimes people will just respect him out of that but for me I'm like I look like this like a 12-year-old who's lost. So I have to go out there and just be, oh, you think I'm some shy 
little weak guy, I'm, I'm going to go I could destroy crazy. you. Yeah. Yeah. I will kill you right yeah. now. I will die. I will kill myself to kill you right now. Right. If you even <laughs> yeah. try to not laugh at this. Yes. So it's like a thing where, I don't know, I just have, you just have to be like committed to the point where you're just destroying the people. And that, yes. I think that's what I just did because I didn't give, I just didn't, I just didn't care. Honestly, I didn't care about the fact there was an industry showcase. I just wanted to, to just, to just destroy it. Just, yeah. to, to, just to burn it down. Yeah. And I think that's like a thing where, um, I just, I guess I, you know what? I think it's a thing where the metric of success for a lot of things is skewed. I like for me that 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 metric wasn't there. I didn't care. I was like, nothing's gonna come from this. The only thing's gonna come from this is me doing a good job and feeling good about doing that good job. Uh-huh. Not about like, oh, you killed at the funk showcase. Maybe we'd like to cast you as this thing. Yeah, like that kind of thing, which I think gets in a lot of people's heads because they think, see, that's such an opportunity. Yes. That's never a good thing. No. You never want to. That's something that I've gotten better at. I think the the less desperate I've been. Yeah. When I was starting out, I was way more desperate for anything, and you and that desperation always kills all of your opportunities. And if you go into everything with walk away power, and you're like, well, I'm just going to do as good as I can do, and and uh, it'll be fun to do that. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's the irony with so much art, especially performing is that they want people to do a job who are people who don't want to do a job mm. right so, totally true like yeah. i'm up That's here being so like true. hey good luck hiring me i wake up late and i like to throw my food yes <laughs> we want to we would like you to work on this thing that costs a lot of money and requires you to do certain rules oh you can't do that at work <laughs> right yeah it's like you're hiring a clown yes to to do like a, a corporate retreat kind yeah. of thing. it's and, it, and even just that whole, I mean, work versus play, I think the open versus closed mode idea of like, they literally don't, can't exist in the same space. Yeah. You, so you have to, they have to dance to, to make sort of creative work that, you know, is in commerce. They're going to have to figure out how to exist together. Mm-hmm. But if you're, as soon as you're working, you're not playing. You're, and, well, and it's I, not, I guess so. I kind of feel like it's, I don't feel like that's true though for let, me. Let me hear I it. I feel like if you're not playing at work, you're not doing your job. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is oh. that they're asking a, a, a person who is a professional player to right. come into work. Yeah. And, and I think if you're in the mindset, basically what I'm saying is I feel like productivity in the traditional sense is basically the opposite of creativity. Totally. If they don't, you can't have them in the same space. Yeah, like, if you do, it's an accident. Right, <laughs> yes. And uh, like there's a, uh, the thing that kind of made me switch on to that was there's a video of John Cleese. You talk, seen it, ever seen these? I don't He's just talking about creativity and okay. the, the science behind it and just talks about open mode versus closed mode and how he would trick himself, how, the, the methods he would use to trick himself to write Monty Python or whatever, which were go into a room and play for two hours and the only metric is, was it fun? Right. And never, ne- the metric is never result in a good show. And that's why he's always like, time is, lots of time is good for it, um, to where you can waste tons of time. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I think in that same thing I heard David Lynch, the person who taught him how to paint, his paint teacher said, I need four hours to get in one hour of good painting. Yeah, yes. It's always the same thing. You just need so much time to, to mess and to fool and to be an idiot. And sometimes, I mean, just going back to 
to acting or performing, I think a lot of that, for me, when I've had success I've, with things, I've, it's because in rehearsing, I'm really playing around with things significantly, like trying it yeah. a really dumb way. I'd never do it, but just for the fun of it, just to see what you find. Because sometimes you, you like light up a corner that you didn't know was there that you can use in the thing that's not that corner. Yep. And I, I think working with business people, workers that understand that is pretty essential. Like, yeah. They have, they're hard to find. They don't. Oh, yeah. It's hard to find that. someone who can be complimentary to like a clown wrangler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so what, okay, we're uh, on the home stretch here. What, what's, uh, what, what's exciting to you now in terms of, I, I really want to, the question is ambiguous, but I want to, I just want to know like, and, and maybe we'll have you on again and we'll finish the story because okay. we didn't really go through everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long story, but also it's, well, those things are just, gra- things just, it's gradual. Pieces together, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, but right now in your everyday life, what are you thinking about in terms of your creativity, what you want to do, writing? What are you excited about? You got any breakthroughs, new philosophies? Yeah. I could keep talking, but I want I mean, to talk. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm excited about doing my podcast. I, I like yeah. doing that because it's like a thing where there's no stakes. I get really excited about doing this character named Dicker Troy I do. I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I stream with him. So I've been trying to just start streaming, which again is like a thing where I've never done it before. Yeah. Uh, I guess I kind of, I'm, I'm excited about trying to change things up because I feel like I've sort of been, not in a rut, but I, there's a lot of stuff I've been doing that it's, I've already done a bunch. Uh-huh. And as dumb as it sounds or maybe as callous or arrogant or whatever you want to call it, like I've been... I worked on TV shows a lot to the point where, like, there's just I love acting as a as a job. Uh huh. It just doesn't fill up the cup all the way. Yeah. It doesn't fill. It's if not it, that's illustration for me. So I like yeah. illustration. To you know, I find a lot of parallels between acting and illustration more than oh, totally. anything else. Uh, more than comedy. Comedy to me, there's a, anyway more well, like my, writing. My, you know, my wife's an illustrator. Yeah. And we've been together for a long time. I think that's part of the reason we get along so well. Is we can talk about something that's very similar without it being the same thing. So it's kind of like... So it's not competitive. Yeah, not it's competitive, not competitive, yeah. but we definitely understand each other. So yes. Sleepybrit.store. Boom! <laughs> uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And, uh, the, but I find illustration and acting, they both seem very intuitive, not very cerebral in a way where you're, it's feeling and you're kind of... So, some, some illustrators are obviously yeah. doing more conceptual stuff, but I love doing that. Right. But it doesn't really tickle me in terms of writing something that has some kind of payoff or yeah. you know the kind of whatever you get out of that. So I can I kind of I can relate. Well, to that's that. my thing, I guess, right now. So I'm trying to figure out because so much of what I used to do and have done is kind of endorphin based, which is not the best, most sustainable way to be doing things. Cause, you mean just like the keeping, getting yeah, excited about getting excited. it? So you're, yeah. And it takes a lot more to get me excited now. And I can't get excited now just from doing stand-up because I'm doing that. I'm living, oh, I do a stand-up show. I feel better afterwards because it's like therapy. Yeah. But I shouldn't be, that's just, that's one-off things. It's not working toward a bigger thing. So for me right now, I'm really trying to get all my S together uh, stands for, you know, the bad. What? <laughs> I'm trying to get all my crap together. So I'm right. Get all my shit. right. Yeah, oh, okay. 
trying to get like, my... Is that some kind of term? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we as actually we say, I'm trying to get my ass together. It's pretty, it's pretty age. It's pretty hard. Um, I'm just trying to get it all together so I can formulate more things that are um, personal and committed that that aren't an immediate payoff thing, which is hard for me. Me too. It's really hard. So it's about um, writing. Yes. And writing is something where I realize I've done a lot of writing in the sense where I've written a lot of, um, you know, material for myself. Jokes and stuff, yeah. I've done a lot of writing with others. Like I've written a bunch of pilots and things like that. So that's great. But I've never really gotten in the weeds and written something for myself to be a part of because I'm at this point now where, um, you know, my nose is making a whistle sound. A lot of people know me and stuff in terms of like people who would hire me. Yeah. And there's not, if something isn't what they've seen me do before, it's hard to make the case to hire. So I realize I just have to, I've been telling myself this for a while. Yeah. I have to, I have to build something for myself in my, in a new voice. Yeah. That hasn't been seen before, and I have to do it regardless of whether or not I'm currently experiencing financial success or a financial uh, a pause. Because uh-huh. I feel like I'm always kind of a realization where, like when I was freaking out last year about not working. Yeah. And then I booked this show that was on. I feel bad. I booked it. it happened super fast and just really, really great and cool. And I love working with those people. Everything. I just realized. Oh, I'm always probably going to be able to get. Some work, whether Something. I like it or not. Yeah, it's yeah. going to keep coming unless I just literally say no to everything. It's going to be like I have agents You've got that ball, ball rolling now. Yeah. yeah. That plate is spinning. I'm insurable. And you can, you're right. I'm highly insurable. I've never been late. I've never, I've never had to, I've never had to stop down production for me. I've never, I've never done anything that causes an insurance issue on set, which is right. an actual thing. Like, oh, I didn't know that. You can be a great yeah. actor, but if you aren't insurable, like Lindsay Lohan's a great prime example. She's a great actress. But if you don't show not. up, they can't get in production insurance. They can't get production wow, insurance. They crazy. can't get it made. That's so crazy. Get, yeah, I never knew it's that. It's sad. Yeah, it's wow, truly that, sad. That is sad. So if you're like, if you're really insurable, you will work. If you wow. want to work, you may not work a ton. You may not be like be making the bank you did before, but you will get enough money to probably eat. Yes. Right. So yes. like the idea You'll of worrying okay. about that yeah. is so. It's like it's like in the middle of winter worrying that it's not going to be a spring. Right. Yes. And I, because I'm a big gardener, so I, there's a lot of metaphors of plants I think about all the time. It's kind of crazy the degree with which those metaphors translate. It's it's almost I mean it's some kind of thing where you realize, oh everything is exactly the same. There's no difference. There's only one thing. You know that song it's by Donny Hathaway? Everything is everything. No, but like I, maybe I do. But old the, soul song from '75. Yeah, I know it. I just yeah. can't think of what. Yeah, I definitely know it. But I total. I mean, that's like a big uh, spiritual. Yeah, everything I, is everything. It's just it's all one thing. Yeah. So I think about that, and I just realize, okay, if that's the case, then I have to just, I have to do, I have to do stuff I've never done before if I want to do things I haven't, ha- if I want to achieve things I haven't had before. Yes. So it's just a matter of, of doing that, and it's uh, it's hard. I've done some stuff lately. I'm working on something that's kind of getting some traction. I feel really good about it. Um, so yeah, it's just like a, it's the, the the whole thing of of doing something that you don't get immediate gratification from. Yeah, which is it's really hard, especially if you're a comedian because you want that so badly. You want the laugh, you want the endorphins, yeah. whatever. I for me you're for sick. the longer yeah <laughs> for the long yeah for the long artists yeah you want that you want someone to yeah love you basically. Right. But 
for the longest time, I could not get into that mode. And it wasn't until, uh, like, and it was more about, like, making books and stuff like uh-huh. that, that it wasn't until I decided I'm going to, I have to, when I come up with something that's totally my thing, I have to think of it as I'm going to make this thing whether or not anybody, any gatekeeper lets me. Yeah, totally. Because if I'm writing it to pitch it, it's never good. It sucks. Yeah, because you're, then you're like, you're pandering and you're yeah. like, you're not thinking about, like all the great works of literature, not, not so much literature, but stuff that's, that's really loved by critics and fans alike. Yeah. The Hobbit. Right. Tolkien wrote that first. His, his, his kid. Uh, his kid. Yes. Uh, what's your name? Uh, the Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Yeah. wrote that for her daughter? Right. I don't same, know. She yes. wrote it for someone she loved. I've, th- I've done the same yeah. thing. When I start thinking about, I, there's a middle reader book I want to write, and it wasn't even, and I don't have time to do that right now, but that not even a possibility until I thought, I could write this for my son. He'd love it. And I'd just start writing a little bit, and you're like, this is the only way in. There's no way totally. other way into this. Because it's that perfect, perfect blend of, Anything you do for him, he'll love it. Right. But then also, he's going to love it. So oh, I'm going to work hard on it so he'll love it even more. Yes, and I know what he loves. Yeah. I know, and I'll put that in there. And I think uh, the other thing that will stop me from making good work when I'm trying to make something to pitch is I'm the whole time there's the voice of, is this even going to be worth it? Like, are they going to like it? Like, are they going to, like, uh, even if I pitch it to 100 people, Am I ever going to get the book deal? And so you're, there's just that thing of like, you feel like I'm wasting my life. Like, I've got to make this fast because oh, I that, just had Dude, that's the worst. I got in that last year. There's nothing worse in this entire world than trying to rush to do something. I've got to do something this great. Is, yes, that, that, yes. That's terrible. 100%. And I think one of the things, I've been trying to shut that off too of like, I think, I, what does yours come from? wanting to do it fast oh just because i i don't know i have a i have a real like serious patience problem right me too it's terrible yeah. i like it's i think it comes from having a bowel disease for real it's like a, like the having to go to the, having to rush to the bathroom and be missing out on things when you're in the bathroom that kind of crap yeah i think that's part of it and then it's just been endemic and kind of like found its way into my my bones and yeah. it's i find myself like what am i in a rush for who yes. cares yeah I hate it. I hate it so much. It's just the it's just the big the most trash ever is, is rush. And that's Rushing. the thing about we you know talking earlier about creativity taking time uh-huh. is that uh, this is something I've been really trying to turn down turn down that rushing thing. And I think part of me is thinking, oh, I've got to do this thing before someone else does it. And I do totally. And I that that I feel. And I this is a new theory of mine where I'm just like. Don't ever. I don't want to make creative work out of that. Like if someone yeah. comes and makes a version that's somewhat similar to what I want to do, I'm still going to do my thing. Yeah. Because they're not going to do it like me, and they I just can't. don't think that. I just think it's unproductive and not as toxic. There's also I heard something similar to that 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 was something like, okay, if you don't make the thing you want to make right now, um, if you don't just do do it to do it, you have to give it up. And if someone else does make something like that. It's because you didn't. Right. I've so heard this too. Yeah. You don't I've heard own anything. Same thing, yeah. It's going to go away and someone else is going to be like, oh, it's going to land on their shoulder and they're going to, ah, oh, this is cool. I, I yeah. like this butterfly. Yeah. 
And if you don't, if you don't, that's the dumb. If you don't capture the butterfly, <laughs> we're trying to save you guys. So you got to capture the butterfly. You got to capture the butterfly. Uh, I, yeah, I, but I, I've been trying to be like, you know what? I don't care. If it goes to somebody else, they're going to put it in their voice and that'll be fine. And yeah. I'll still do mine. And it just doesn't, I can't, I, the one thing I know, I can't rush. And so that's, yeah, that's yeah, it's super bad. It's terrible. I hate, that happens a lot of times in like productions is they rush stuff. And I always, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'll work 21 hours. I don't care. Yeah. When I love, my favorite thing ever is seeing a director argue with the product, the line producer. Why? Because it's like, the line producer is like, okay, we got, we got to move on. We got to get this. And he's like, no, we have to, we have to do 15 more takes of this. I remember yeah. seeing that one time there's this great director named Tor Frodenthal I worked on something with and he just seemed argue like hell at the line producer all the time yeah. she was just so just frustrated with him because it would just take so long and this is one of the first things I ever worked on I just didn't like yeah I, I, don't, I don't have a place to go right yeah. let's just keep That's doing it yeah. do it a thousand <laughs> times who yeah. cares uh, it's well, all because of money right. oh because you the line you, producer's in charge of the money so yeah. they're like the longer we do this thing, we can't do that thing. Yes. Everything goes over time, always. Everything, yeah, like everything takes forever. It does. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this, man. I want to do a round stuff. two because there's more. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to ask you this about. This podcast is great. It's one of the few podcasts I actually listen to. I, yeah, that means a lot to me, man. Yeah. It really does. It's awesome. Awesome. Peace. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Johnny, for being on the show. I hope we get to hang out again soon, man. And I uh, hope you get to be on the show again. Go check out Johnny's wife's illustrations at Sleepy Brittany on Instagram. And uh, go follow Johnny Pemberton on Instagram. And go listen to his podcast, Live to Tape. It is a comedy podcast. He does tons of some a lot of vocal effects and, and weird stuff but he is so freaking hilarious um yeah i could listen to this guy talk all day thanks for being on the show man and thank you to yoni wolf and the band y for our theme music thanks to chris graham of chris graham mastering for production assistance and mastering of this show thanks to alex sugg for providing the soundtrack to this show you can go listen to the soundtrack on spotify or apple music creative pep talk original soundtrack volume one really good music for you know getting into the groove it's instrumental you're gonna like it it's epic it's fun it's got little squinkies and squonkies going on go check it out thank you so much for listening to this show and until we speak again stay pepped up Thank you.